I walk through the front door after a long day at school. I throw my bags on the ground and I sit on a horrible chair with absolutely no support in my gaming room, which sat directly in front of the front door to the house. And I lean forward and I gently turn on my PlayStation 3 console as it beeps and hums to life. I put in a disc and start up the game that I just got for the holidays. And I sit there and I wait as I watch the loading circle spin aimlessly. And after a moment or two, the title Last of Us glows across the TV screen and I lean forward in excitement because I know this is going to be a very fun game. And fun it was. Welcome to Ink and Bites, and today I'm going to tell you a story. Okay, maybe I won't be telling a story per se, but I do want to have a discussion and a little trip down memory lane about what games used to be and about a game that I recently discovered on Steam and just actually finished my first playthrough of and it was very good. And this game that I found just sitting on the store page with a very interesting art style and narrative concept that looked very cute and cuddly was called Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Games nowadays, especially in the AAA space, it feels like they've lost what I call their pure fun factor, and instead were bombarded with complex combat systems that take ages to master, or vast open worlds that may be beautiful and well-crafted, but overall feel empty and lackluster. And while 2023 was a great year for games, we also have had some releases that really fill this this idea we had for example modern warfare 3 come out towards the middle of the middle slash end of the year and it was received very badly for being a rushed empty experience in the campaign and just more of the same in the multiplayer and the interesting story with modern warfare 3 is that originally and i should preface modern warfare 3 2023 because there could be some confusion with the original and the new one quote-unquote remaster i guess or reboot, I should say, because it's not even a remaster, but originally it was just supposed to be a DLC or a downloadable content to the already existing Modern Warfare 2 that came out in 2022. Again, the rebooted version, not the OG. And I'm sure that if it came out as an attachment to the already existing MW2, it would have been received a lot better because originally, like I said, it was just supposed to be a small downloadable content story expansion edition. But the publisher, I'm I'm just making general assumptions based off of information that's available that the developers were instead rushed to make it its own yearly entry and the game was not built to be its own yearly entry. And you can see that in the elements of the game. The campaign can be completed in two hours. Most of it is Warzone-inspired gameplay, which nobody wanted, which is just open combat missions, they call them. And people genuinely are okay with the multiplayer element because it's Call of Duty. Everyone loves the multiplayer. But we also seen this in games like the Battlefield franchise. 
Battlefield 2042, the most recent addition to the series, came out. I don't even remember. It, time flies with this, but I believe 2021, 2022. And that was also received very negatively because of what they transformed, what DICE transformed the Battlefield franchise into. Instead of a rather fleshed out experience, Battlefield 2042 was clearly rushed. Uh, they banked on having like over a hundred players fighting each other. There was no story whatsoever, and it was just multiplayer driven. And because of that, it was an only online game, which is its whole other can of worms that can either inspire some aggravation or people can be really into it. But with Battlefield 2042, removing the iconic class system that everybody loved and adding an operator-based system in order to open up a revenue stream and sell skins. There's a battle pass implemented, so it was transformed into an always online model. And like I said, that's a whole nother can of worms. A lot of games that come out now are only online. They might even have a single-player component, but they have an only online driving component and battle passes. And a lot of times that can get really fatiguing. And this idea of games that are coming out now that want you to feel obligated to play rather than just play for fun has really taken over the mindset of a lot of players. And I and that's coming from a Destiny 1 and 2 veteran. I have over probably just about 2000 hours on both games. Well, not both. games. If you combine my playtime on both games, I've been playing it since 2015 and Destiny 1 and 2 are only online MMO, uh, MMO light games where it's very grindy and it takes a lot of work to reach the end of the hardest content. And even I'm saying that only online could be quite negative. And like I said, if a lot of these games feel like you have an obligation to play over you want to play, maybe you used to like the story from the very beginning, you get home and you sit down and you're going to start playing a game because you want to. It's a it's a break. It's engaging. It's fun. But in the triple A space, it doesn't really feel like that. But what is triple A and what is this game Kenna, which is double A? Double A games simply mean at its like base definition without getting too granular is it's not as financially backed. So there might not be millions of dollars in the development and the studio developing it is usually isolated and by themselves. They do all the development themselves and they do all the publishing themselves. They have like full rights to the game and the creative vision. And this kind of allows more passion and freedom and the ability to develop a game that they want to develop and really tailor it towards being good and not being too much of a mess when it's released now. Triple A games, again, not saying triple A games are bad, not saying the industry is dying, but triple A games have multi million dollar budgets. They have most of the time multiple studios working in conjunction developing them. And they have a publisher, again, very basic definition here. They have a publisher kind of looming over them and giving them criteria and telling them kind of what to develop in a sense. And there is a perfect example of this recently that just shows what I just said in a pretty good picture with Arcane Studios developing the game Redfall, which is not that good. It's a big pile of meh. And this is there are some rumors and theories that are going on that I personally I subscribe to. 
um, that since Arcane was acquired, I believe, by EA, EA wanted Arcane to make a only online games as a service game. And Arcane is a well-known and loved development studio who made games like Dishonored, which is a really good stealth experience. And they did not want to make a only online live service game. And you can see that in the final product. None of that is confirmed. Just want to make sure I say that. A lot of it is just theories and rumor on the wind and some insider like messaging. But Arcane obviously can't come out and say, yeah, we made Redfall crappy because we really didn't want to make a live service game. We had a completely different vision, but we had to do what our publisher tells us. So again, this perfectly shows the AAA and the AA difference. AA usually complete control over their game. They have a lot less funding and they're able to put more like their vision and their love into the game where AAA spaces, the developers definitely love what they're doing most of the time. They may not be able to put their vision into it. They have to kind of conform to the business element of AAA development. And it's just the reality of the situation. And we've seen this double A revolution kind of appear over the last few months where double A games have become more financially successful and release in more completed states that don't require constant fixing after it's released to the public. And to be honest, the double A revolution is a breath of fresh air. And the double A revolution is a breath of fresh air because we can get gems like Kenna Bridge of Spirits. And Kenna Bridge of Spirits is a third-person action story-driven adventure game set in a very beautifully stylized world. And it has a really good story to tell, but the story hides very elegantly behind a mask of cuteness and lightheartedness but once you peel back the layers and start to experience the narrative as you play through its 14-ish hour runtime you can see that it actually has a bittersweet and depressing story that it's going to tell you if you're ready for it or not but what makes the game good why am i praising it so much why did i have this whole winded intro about how games used to be and why they are now well, it's just as simple as this kenna knows what it is it's a game that's meant to be fun and it doesn't try to create something complex to oppose other games. And it doesn't try to meet some really high expectations. It is a game that is simply about telling a story and being fun. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how relieving it was when I played through it just to feel, feel that. Because, like I said, so many games now feel like an obligation to play rather than feel fun. But what about it that's fun? We're going to start with the combat, because the combat in this game may not be deep, which is a good thing, but it never gets boring. Essentially, you start off the game with a staff and a double jump, and by the end of the game, you have bows, bombs, and like a teleportation dash. It's really wild, and there's an upgrade system where you can buy upgrades that change how these abilities work. And there's a very large pool of enemy types from your standard whack until they die to enemies that you have to use your abilities to open up weak points in order to actually damage them. And there's really challenging bosses depending on what difficulty that you play on. And the game has inspiration from Dark Souls depending on what difficulty you play on because even if I was on like the normal difficulty, it was pretty hard at points. 
So the combat always evolves as you progress through the story, as you unlock new tools to play with. And as you unlock these new tools, the enemies also change and force you to adapt to new combat styles. So it's just this loop of satisfying combat. And what's the icing on the cake of this idea is when you meet the first actual boss, it has a large influence to use your bow, which you just unlocked. Same thing with the enemies that you meet in the first area, the Forgotten Forest. And the same thing with the second main boss, it uses your bomb ability that you recently unlocked that you need to use in order to complete the fight. And the world around you changes as you get more powerful. You have new platforming sections that require you to use your bow to zip around onto floating platforms. You have your bomb that you have to throw at things that activate floating platforms, so on and so forth. So it's really satisfying to see how the game changes when you unlock new things, which I haven't really felt since like Last of Us and these older games, which really was just, it was unbelievably satisfying. But the combat isn't the only thing that's good. The world and story is also elegant. So at a very base level, Kenna is a game where you play as Kenna and you are a spirit guide, which is exactly what the title implies. Your goal is to shepherd people who can't fully move on to the afterlife. And as you advance through the story, it becomes bleaker and more depressing as you help the first spirit who, spoiler alert, I will just throw it out there. Pause now if you're interested in playing. The first spirit is a brother to two children characters that kind of guide you when you first start. And if you never made the connection beforehand, this is the moment where you realize everybody that you're inter interacting with in this game is already dead. And you're essentially learning how they died through collecting relics and then fighting them in order to free them. So the brother, who is the first main boss of the game reunites with the two children that you've been helping to find him and they can all pass on at the same time and it's this really emotionally gut-wrenching scene and combine that with how beautiful the rendered cinematics are and how well they trans like they they move into in-game cinematics that aren't like pre-rendered it's really really solid and from that point on you kind of have you kind of have your perspective set a little bit and you're like, all right, this is going to be a really sad story. And it just continues from there and you can see what happened to the town and you really just get emotionally connected. And not only does the narrative do that, but the world around you also gets you invested in what's going on because as you progress, you're slowly clearing the town of the rot that's infesting it. And fun fact, that's optional the way that you clear the rot infested zones is by collecting spirit mail, which is like essentially stuff that people in the town were attached to. And once you're able to deliver it to them, they can move on and the areas they inhabited become free from the, the rot. So it's just the way the pacing works in this game is so great. Like I said a few times already, it never gives you an opportunity to be bored and once you're into the story, you are in it. But finally, I just want to touch on this briefly. The, the art style of the game definitely is a very big factor in why it's so emotionally driven and why it's so just good in general. The art style, you can tell, is filled with inspiration and the way 
it moves between, like I said, the rendered cutscenes and the in-game cinematics. It, it's reminiscent of Pixar or just animated films. That's the kind of style they went with. And it makes it, it, it keeps that cute facade up, but while telling such a depressing story. Again, highly recommend it. It's such a, such a tale to get lost into, and it really feels like when games were just meant to be played for fun and they were developed in such a way that just makes it really satisfying to play. I could talk about the game and just explore every aspect of it, but... Just to throw it back to a few previous episodes, this is one of those shorter episodes that get right to the point. So I don't want to tell you everything. I want you to go out and to get the game and experience it and support the developers the, who made this fantastic AA game. You can get it on Steam. Unfortunately, the winter sale's done by now, so it's going to be full price, but it's highly worth it. And there's a good amount of replayability in it that I never even talked about that you'll be able to discover for yourselves as you play it. This is kind of where AA games are at. We've had a lot of AA games this year that are just phenomenal. And like Hi-Fi Rush, that's probably not the title. I'm just trying to remember, which is also another really good music-based AA game. And it's really amazing to see these games succeed where a lot of AAA games have absolutely flopped that had much more funding and much more access to resources that could, in a sense, make the game great kind of really doesn't have access to those resources but it's a fantastic game that is very underrated and unfortunately hasn't got the light of day that it deserves because it, it came out at such a bad time where other games were coming out that were much bigger but i highly recommend it you can get it on steam for around 30 bucks and i just want to throw one more disclaimer in there triple a games aren't bad we had a lot of good ones We've had Spider-Man 2, we've had Boulder, I had a thing for a second, but we had Boulder's Gate 3, which people argue is a double-A game, but they had a lot of funding and support where it really is a triple-A game, especially now. The The precedent has been set for Larian Studios, but I don't really classify them as double-A anymore. They made bank with Boulder's Gate 3, and Boulder's Gate 3 is a masterpiece, definitely deserved game of the year. So, not all triple-A games are bad, but... If you're tired of the format, if you're tired of being let down, if you're tired of games coming out in a buggy state, or if you're just really fatigued of live service, always online games, I would look into Kenna Bridge of Spirits and other AA games. If you want to read more about Kenna Bridge of Spirits in a little bit of a more ordered and less chaotic way, as this episode may seem, feel free to check out my blog at the-world-builder.com. And like I mentioned in the last episode, everything used to be Colby.io, but I finally got my own domain and I rebranded. So in the future, hopefully I can start to explore other options and won't have to worry about someone saying, I have that domain and then months of work kind of get smashed into the ground. But again, feel free to read more about Kenna on the-world-builder.com. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. And next episode, I think we're going to have a guest. So I'm looking forward to it. And I hope to see you there. Mm-hmm.